Hey everyone, welcome to Go and Be the Church podcast. We talk about what scripture says the church should look like and how we are to care for the broken, lift up the lost, and lose our lives for the gospel. We know this will change your life in leadership, relationships, purpose, which is impacted by how we go and be the church. Welcome to Go and Be the Church podcast. Today, I'm your host, Josh Douglas, and I have two others with me today from Castro Baptist Church. One is our co-pastor, Mark Douglas. Mark Douglas, say hi. Hi, everyone. In case you're wondering, we do have the same last names. There is a relation. I usually don't admit it. When I do, people tell me they will pray for me. On my left here is Adam Basquette. Adam Basquette, say hi. Hi, everyone. That's the voice of the Basquette. We're glad to have him on here. You know, one of the things... We want to address today because as we're a church that says, hey, let's go and be a church or a church that gathers and scatters to those who are beyond the church walls, we want to be missional. Well, part of being missional is understanding we have a missionary God, a God who came and sought after us, a God who loves us, a God who wants us, a God who not only wants us, but died for us. And if we believe all those things, then that's the type of God that sees you for all you are, all you've done, the good, the bad, the ugly. One of the things we're going to talk about in light of all that is, are my sins too awful to attend church? Are my sins too awful to attend church? Because when we think about the gospel, we need to know the big question in lives, in our lives, are who needs Jesus? And one of the things that I would say is that we all do, no matter whether we're the person that feels, hey, I can't live up to certain things, or the person who feels like, hey, I got everything together. (laughs) Every person needs Jesus. So kind of getting different point of views, different places where we like to say the rubber meets the road. You know, what would you deal with? Perhaps that factory worker whose job has just been outsourced overseas, and they feel like, man, my, my life is crumbling but they've lived a certain life and they think, well, I can't go to the church. You know, that the, the, the church would not be a place that would accept me. Or how about the 20 something year old that's partying all the time uh, and they live, you know, just down the hall if you're in college. And, you know, some of these came from a book called How to Give Away Your Faith by Paul Little. And, you know, it's addressing people and what they go through. And if they can't feel like they could turn to the church because of all their sins, And there's an issue that needs to be clarified about the God of the Bible. Because the issue isn't, what do you believe about God? It's what God has said about God. And thinking about just life and people, could you imagine the the victim of an unwanted divorce or abuse? They feel like, "Who, who can I trust? They can't even trust the church, they feel like. But we want to speak truth into those things. Or the person who's going to university and their religion's major, their their majors in religion, and and while they're there, they feel like ah, oh, you're you're mocking my beliefs, and you're saying, you know, is this what the 21st century has to offer to us all? So, in light of those things, I'm here with two individuals who have came across others who have felt this way, who have thought about these things, how the church should respond. I want to first start with Adam Basquette here. 
He is 20, how old are you now? 24. 24. He's wise beyond his years. He is a law enforcement officer, so he deals with the worst of people, but I've also seen him lead people down better paths. So this is a, this is something that he's even seen come up in the workplace. Uh, I was wondering if you could just address that, Adam, what that looks like from an individual when they say uh, certain things that would lean towards that they feel like their sin is too awful to come to God. Yeah, Josh. So every day at work, I deal with people that are just do horrible things. They're in a horrible place in their life. They need help. And not only people who may be addicted to drugs or alcohol, just people who have experienced things such as death. You know, we go on a lot of death calls and it could be a good person. And they just they had a horrible tragedy tragedy in their life. And they think, you know, why would Jesus do this to me? And, you know, is it because I don't go to church or whatever like this? Um, and just a lot of people out there, you know, we go on a lot of drug overdoses, a lot of people who are just going through horrible times in their life. And they don't go to church. And a lot of times they say things to me like, oh, I can't go to church. Uh, you don't know half the things I've done. You know, I've been arrested for this or I've done this. And there's, there's no way Jesus would accept me. And if, if those people would would come to church, they would understand that Jesus accepts everyone no matter what they've done in life, no matter how they've sinned, no matter how many times they've done it. Um, everybody sins, every Christian sins, every every pastor sins. There's nobody who doesn't sin or fall short of Jesus. And I actually had a, a good buddy of mine at work, and he he's a good person. He He's only been in law enforcement for about 10 years, um, and prior to him coming to law enforcement, he, he did do some things, you know, that were questionable and everything, and he's always joked with me because, you know, being his partner, we're, you know, we're really close, and me being involved in the church here and all, and everything that I do here, he's always, I'm always trying, hey man, you need to come to church, hey man, you need to come to church, and he tells me, oh, I can't come to church, you know, and he, he's made the joke that that church would burn down if I stepped foot in that church, and he always joked about it, but in a way, I knew deep down that he wanted to come to church, and I truly think that he felt he couldn't come to church, and people need to realize that no matter what you've done, you can come to church, and I finally got him, sat down with him and talked to him, and he agreed that he'd start coming to church, and it wasn't long after he started coming to church. I mean, only a couple services, and he realized, wow, this, this is for me, and I can do this, and it wasn't shortly after that that he came to me he came to pastor mark and he said that he would like to get baptized that he was baptized as a kid but he would like to get baptized again and he thinks that he thought it would mean more this time because he was baptized at a very young age as a kid he just you know he's 50 years old now so he wanted to rededicate his life and i i really don't think he thought he could do that because of everything that he's done and since then, he's, his life has just changed. He's turned around, and, and he's learned that no matter what you, what you do, you can rededicate your life to Jesus if you've done it in the past or if you've never done it. It's never too late to do that. And I think everybody out there in this community, in, the, in this country, in the world, needs to realize that if, if they've dedicated their life to Christ and they've done horrible things, that doesn't mean that Jesus won't accept you. Right. And let me just ask you this. Everything you're talking about, this friend that you're co-worker with, you know, clearly uh, type A, macho man, get things done, run down the bad guy, find the person who did wrong, and yet they get in this place when they think about all the things they've done wrong, it's hard for them to make sense out of, 
who would ever accept me? Who would ever want to draw near to me? I think one of the best examples in Scripture, you know, think about the thief on the cross. All these things he did, all those moments. And yet he can't escape the person of Jesus. Jesus is there with him, right beside him. And it's as if when the thief asks, you know, would you let me into your kingdom? It's almost as if he's saying to Jesus, could you? Would you? Would you really do that for me? Could could you actually draw close to someone like me? And so I feel like when you're with your friend and you're just talking to them saying, man, it's, it's not like that. It's not that your sins go too far. It's that Jesus went further than those sins. And I know as you have those moments of influence, I think one of the best things that you do is showing him, you know, I have nothing truly to bring to Christ. He brought everything to me, forgave me. And it really did set him up for a place to say, maybe I need to reorient the way I think or what my heart believes about things. So much so that he said, you know what? I need to get back in a place of worship. I need to get back to being close with Jesus. And so a question, another question I have for you, Adam, I feel like in law enforcement realm, uh, just people in general in communities, they have this notion of karma. You know, karma, they think, I've done all this, so I'm only going to get what's coming to me. Do you, do you find in this life that, because if you were really to put out what should happen to us, I mean, no one's really done more good than bad. Most of us, the things we think, the things we don't do, the things we should do, if you really mounted it up, karma would never weigh in anyone's favor. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, do you find that most people tend to put themselves on the scales and they say, well, I've done this amount of good, or there's this person who's done this amount of bad, and I'm not as bad as that person. Do you find that that's often a go-to for just people in general or and those even that you've been around that talk about why they can't come to church? Yeah, so I, you know, I deal with a lot of people, and I deal with a lot of good people. I deal with a lot of bad people. And, you know, bad people, you know, murderers and, and child abusers and everything that you can think of out there, you know, just the unimaginable um, that say, well, you know, I've done this. So, you know, I've got it coming for me or, you know, well, I've done this. So, you know, there's just there's no hope for me. People in jail that say, well, I've, you know, look at my charges look what I've been arrested for. Look what you charged me with. And, you know, how can I recover from that? And I don't think people realize that no matter what you've done, you know, you can you can always come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and He'll forgive you for those sins. You know, it, it may take you know, if you're a murderer, there may be people out there, such as the victim's family, who who may never forgive you. But and it may take you know, if you've really done bad in your community, it may take the community's trust a while to realize that you've changed. But you have to start somewhere, and there's no better place to start than Jesus Christ. Um, to if you repair that relationship and you change your life then everybody around you will see that and you know I, I know good people at work that are law enforcement officers that do all kinds of good in the community they you know they do charity events they do stuff you know with the law enforcement agencies the volunteer in the community they they help people they save people all, everything you can think of but they don't come to church and you ask them, hey how come you don't come to church well, and they say well look what I do in life you know I do all of this good I do everything and 
and it doesn't matter the amount of good that you do in your life if if you don't accept Jesus Christ in your life doing good deeds doesn't get you to heaven there's only one way to heaven and that's a huge point you're making because just from a from an angle of a church so the one who is over the church is Jesus the one who says I want you I want to know you I want you to not perish but have everlasting life he's the one who calls us and if he is the one who primarily says come near that also must mean he would say come near to the place where you can get to know him better where you can grow in him which would be the church right and i think people if they could just see how jesus sees them then they could see how the church the bride <laughs> is supposed to and i want to highlight that word supposed to now I have with me Mark Douglas. He's been writing feverishly as we've been talking, saying things in his mind and on paper about things. I can't read his handwriting. I don't know if you know this, but over 7,000 people die a year from doctors who have bad handwriting because they can't read it. So I don't know what that says about preachers with bad handwriting, but we're hoping that it doesn't cause any false claims from scripture if i try to read his handwriting here's the thing <laughs> paul little he said there's two essential ingredients for faith to know jesus christ personally involves two things first is a commitment a time when we make a conscious decision now, i just want to talk about that because most people feel this whole hey i've sinned too much i can't come near christ they made decisions for countless other things in their life countless other things they thought would be good for them countless other things they thought they could flourish or thrive and it wound up being the thing that left them empty or the thing that they said, hey, that's really not working. And that could be for the person who's done a lot of bad or the person who thinks that they've done a lot of good. And it's never amounted to much. But to reach a place where you humbly say, I want to belong to you, Lord Jesus, what do you think that takes for the person who thinks they have too much sin in their life to even get there? Well, obviously this is an age-old thought question feeling that people have had. Paul had it himself. And uh, I was just jotting down scripture out of 1 Timothy 1.15 where Paul said that uh, this is a trustworthy saying and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus get, uh, came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul finished that up with saying of whom I am the foremost and so, so he's the chief among the chief, sinners. Chief among sinners. He, or some translations say worse. And so the chief among sinners, the worst among sinners. So this is the well-studied Paul. This is the this is he knew Paul who the Old Testament. The majority of the New Testament. Yeah, he, the majority of the New Testament. He, he traveled and planned churches unlike anybody else. He suffered for the hands of Christ. Sure. And, and, and so if it affects Paul, who knew Scripture and knew Christ personally, um, because of his experience on the road to Damascus, plus his personal relationship with Jesus through his uh, accepting Christ and his and his ability to study. I mean, Paul was a learned man. He knew how to study. And so he studied scriptures. He knew what scriptures taught. He knew about forgiveness. And, and so if this affected Paul, imagine all of us out there who put things into categories. Uh, I, I'm a cop, and so therefore I do cop things. I'm not a I'm not a Christian. I don't do Christian things. I, I'm a churchgoer, so I'm different from non-churchgoers. 
and and so everybody has a tendency to categorize things. We, we have a tendency to, to to look at our life and think I fit into this category. We look at someone else's life, we think they fit into that category. And when in actuality, we're all in the eyes of Christ the same. Right. And if we can come to that place where we start saying, I'm going to make a conscious decision. And that's what you were talking about, Josh, making a conscious decision to, to follow Christ. I think we first have to get ourselves out of these individual categories and say we all belong to Christ and he, all, he wants us all equally. And, and to really come to that place to, to not say, hey, that guy over there, he's a Christian, he does Christ-like things, and so therefore I'm not like him. I could never be like him. I could never be accepted like he is. Okay, let's, let's get out of that category of he's good, I'm bad, and, and just accept the fact that, like Paul, we're all chief among sinners. We all can say this about ourselves. And I think, you know, Paul also said, I mean, look at Romans 7. He talks about the good I intend on doing, I do not do, but the evil I wish I would not do, I do. And when you think in those terms, and th this is the irony. The person who says, hey, I can't darken the door of the church because when I do, I'm going to get struck by lightning or that's going to burn the church down. Yet the Christian who has walked with God for 30 years actually sees more and more of their sin and how not just sees the sin, but sees how heinous it is before a holy God. So listen, this kind of works both ways. And uh, I'm, I'm not only a pastor, but I'm also a law enforcement officer. And so I see those times when I walk into a law enforcement situation and people know that I'm a pastor and they kind of think, how can you do this? Or how can you see these things? Or how can you be out amongst these kinds of things? And so almost that feeling that someone who's not living their life for Christ, and Adam, you were talking about this, those people who have, have a, renewed their life with Christ, they haven't they have come to Jesus and said, hey, I want to, I want to be different. I want to change, and so they've got them. They've got themselves over here in this category that I'm not good. I'm bad. But then I step into that arena with them, and they say, "Wait a minute. What are you doing over here in this arena?" It's almost like I could almost be saying that uh, that that like they say, if I walk into the church, the roof will fall in. Maybe I could say, if I walk into the police station, the sheriff's office, the roof will fall in. You know but that that. that that it's different, but it's not like that at all. I can walk into the marketplace, whatever that marketplace is, and, and still be Christ-like. And those who are not Christ-like can walk into the church and learn to be Christ-like. And and that's that, that has to be part of it, that learning curve. What does it mean to be a Christian? Mm. And, and I think a lot of people are are struggling at that point because if you're not if you're not every day with Christ you don't know what it means to be a Christian you don't know what how I'm supposed to act or what I'm like Adam you might even have some insight on that there may have been a point in your life where you walked into I mean you're in this church and you're active in this church I don't know how active you were prior to this church because you and I didn't go to church together then but I can remember what it was like during a period of my life just changing churches, going from one church to, to another church and thinking, how am I supposed to act in this other church? What do they do over here? How are they different? And how do I fit in? And I'm a Christian trying to fit in. What's it like for them? When you know, we wish it could be just as simple as, 
And how, how am I supposed to love and just obey Jesus? You know, we, like you say, we get in a church, hey, what are the parameters? What are the expectations? And, and you know, I, as we look at the second thing that Paul Little, Little talks about, you know, you see that it's unthinkable to say, I'm going to follow something and not follow it 100%. I can remember playing football, and I wasn't the best, I wasn't the fastest, but here's one thing I knew. If at practice I didn't go 100%, I was going to get hurt. It wasn't going to work. Something bad was going to happen. And, and so there is this push and pull, like we're talking about with Paul's life, with being committed, making a conscious decision, Sam going to follow him. Because here's the thing. It is going to be one of the greatest challenges to follow Jesus. But in the end, you see that it's the highest honor to know him. And so, I'm curious, Josh, uh, just to interject here for a moment. When we start thinking about who owns this issue, how much of it belongs to the church to help people outside of the church know how to fit in? I mean, Adam, do you have any insight on that? How, how, what made you comfortable fitting in when, when you started becoming more and more involved in the church? I think it's just uh, people that don't go to church, they're not involved in Christ or doing anything for Christ. They look at this and they kind of put on a high pedestal that says, you know, maybe I don't deserve to be there or I could never do that or anything like that. Um, and I think once people join a church and they become part of a church, they realize it's, it's a family of people there. And it's very easy to live as a Christian and influence others as a Christian once you understand how to do it, it's, you know, someone who's never gone to church or, you know, maybe 40 years old and has never stepped foot in a church may think, well, I, I don't even know one Bible verse. How could I ever, how could I ever help or lead people to Christ? And prior to me joining Kasha, you know, I'm only 24 years old, straight out of high school, you know, my parents were Christians growing up. We were involved in church, but also, I have an older brother, and both of us were very involved in sports and traveling baseball and everything. So every weekend, you're gone. So it's easy to to fall out of the pattern of, of going to church every Sunday. And then straight out of high school, you know, I, I joined the military and went in the Navy. So you're you're gone on deployments or whatever the case may be. And it's, you live by yourself, gone away from family, friends. You don't know anybody, so you just you don't go to church. And then, you know, straight out of the Navy, I became a law enforcement officer and you're on shift, you're working every other weekend. It's easy to forget about church and doing things for the church and not living your life like that. And the only time you ever think about church is when you need something or something happens and you find yourself praying. And I just, I just think it's, if people were to step foot in the church, that's the, that's the biggest part. You know, I do jujitsu and mixed martial arts and stuff. And we have a saying at the gym that's the hardest part about doing mixed martial arts or jujitsu is stepping in the door. And I think that, I think that is, I completely is, agree is, because is I haven't stepped in the door. Because yeah, and I think that applies to just church people that they're either scared to go or they don't think they can go. And I think if they just realize the hardest part is committing and just stepping in that door. And once you're in that door, there's people in the church that will, lead you to where you need to be and get you where you need to be and take you in and from there it's just you start realizing how easy it is you know a year and a half ago I was 
you know, on shift work doing stuff and, you know, not finding myself going to church like I should have been to where now I, I think I've missed maybe one, one or two Sundays in a year and a half and went from, you know, not being involved in a church to voted in as the facilities and grounds director here and, and every, you know, putting in several hours every week, every weekend doing stuff for the church. And I, I could have been that person that said, how can I help the church? I don't know anything. And, and now look where I'm at a year and a half later. So I think everybody needs to realize that no matter where they're at in their life, they could very easily and very quickly be involved in the church and, and help and help bring others to the church as well. I think that's one of the key things that you're saying, just walking with people who feel this way is, Hey, I, I've walked there before. I've, I've felt what you felt. I've had those moments where in the recesses of my heart, I don't feel worthy. And, and that's the thing though, is none of us are worthy. It's not saying, do I feel it? It's actually knowing that there's a God who says, I've placed my righteousness on you. I want you to know your worth is based on how I valued you, which was to the point of dying. The, the, the God of the universe says, I'll die for you. So one of the things that we're talking about here is, and you know, this is a, a Native American proverb, but it says, one should say nothing to another until he has walked in his moccasins. And, and here's what they're saying, and exactly what Adam was saying is, we need to walk where others walk. We need to help them reflect on their thoughts and feelings and, and use our own words with to help them on this journey to say, you know, we care about you, but more so there's a God who wants you to know him well. And he's known you well, and he still loves you. And if you can begin with that biblical foundation that the God of the universe only knows every hair on your head, knows all the tragedies of your life, the things you've done, the things that have been done to you, the moments of weakness, and he's saying, come home. And this is, this is a broad picture because this applies to all, not just the person who see, feels like they're in egregious sin. Maybe this is the person that feels like they have inadequacies or insufficiencies, the person that's disabled, the person that has special needs, the person who doesn't think they measure up. You know, not measuring up comes in a lot of different ways. Being the weakest link comes in a lot of different ways. But God says in all those things, I am mighty, I am strong, I make the way. It's not your job to make the way. It's your job to go to the one who knows the way because you can't find it on your own. Clearly, how you're living, if you're asking this question, probably something's not working for you right now. Well, and, we, we, as, we as Christians certainly need to find ways to, to help people see that Jesus makes us whole. And uh, when, when we feel like we're um, that that we're only partly or not any at all good enough, that something's missing, then and we can't come to church because my sin is too great, or we can't come to church because uh, I've never really been there, never really been involved. Whatever the reason that's that's keeping people away, when Jesus said go go out into the world and compel people to come in to his house. That word compel, I think it, to me it means talk them into it. Convince them. Uh, 
help them to see that Jesus can make them whole, that, that there is no sin so great, that there is no person who hasn't, that doesn't have enough experience, that, that everyone has that right to step into the church and everyone can be a part. And I really think that who whose issue is this? It's both. It belongs to the church. It belongs to the person who's out of church and feels like they can't come. The issue belongs to, the, to both. However, uh, we have to find the way to take it upon ourselves as Christians and as a church to draw people here. Yeah, I wish that you know, the church could see people as Jesus does. I mean, it's it's convicting when I think about Jesus who went to the lepers. It's convicting to think about Jesus who turned around to the woman who had the issue of blood. It's convicting to think about Jesus on the cross and he has everything on his shoulders and he's thinking about that thief. It's, it's hard to actually put into, you know, condense that. What kind of love is that? What kind of way is he actually saying, I know your needs and I just can't say strongly enough to anybody who's listening. Every person in this world has a deep hunger to actually know the living God. <laughs> and I know that because people have journeyed across this world. We read about those who are kings and emperors and people in high places. And yet their writings, we know from Julius Caesar him writing in his Gallic Wars, he thought that those conquering and, and maintaining power would be something that would satisfy and never satisfy same thing for alexander same thing for napoleon they, they they were never satisfied billionaires who want to keep living forever and ever never satisfied what we were to sit back and think maybe i should just go across that threshold to those church doors to get a view of a, a god who says i'm preparing my bride the church to make it so that one day faith becomes sight, where your hunger, the things in this life you've actually longed for, will be fulfilled in every way in Christ. It says in God's Word, in His presence, okay, in His presence is the fullness of joy, and at His right hand are the pleasures forevermore. It's, it's been said before, John Piper said this, nothing's fuller than full, and he promises that fullness. Nothing's longer than forever. Got any closing remarks? One thing to take away from this, one practical thing. He said, hey, if you are struggling with this, here's, here's what you can do this week for someone who's struggling with all their sin and saying the church wouldn't want me. Just one practical thing. One thing I'll say is I promise that there is someone that you could call, you could invite and say, come and sit with me at church this week. Mm. Strong. And, and what a difference that would make. Right. Yeah, just think of someone that you know. Think of someone that, think of their needs. See people for what they are, I mean, relationally, spiritually, physically. There's, there's not enough people who care about people. And that's a great way to do it. Just come sit with me. Sounds like what Jesus said to Peter after he struggled so much with his faith. Just come have breakfast with me. Come sit with me. That That's a way to make people change in the sense of seeing, hey, you're not too awful. I want you right beside me. But even more so, the God of the universe wants you right beside him. Thanks for joining our podcast today. This is Go and Be the Church podcast. 
where we believe that we should care for the broken, that we should lift up the lost, and we should lose our lives for the gospel. Thanks for listening.